This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. I'm Maura Dooley. Thanks for hanging out with us today as we creep closer to Halloween. Are you guys excited? Yeah, I went to Costco and bought three bags of huge bags of candy for the kids. I mean, I do that when it's not Halloween, Justin, but I guess, (laughs) yeah, I guess you can share with other people for Halloween. Are you guys big on Halloween plans? Do you go out to parties? Do you stay home and hand out candy? What, What do you do? Well, our kids uh, historically have been of the age where they can go out and partake. Uh, This year, they're starting to get a little older, so Mm. um, I think we may be on the giving side now. (laughs) Which, again, is plenty fine because you can sneak a few pieces for yourself. Mm. I've got this down to an art at this point. (laughs) I always tell myself I'm going to buy a bag in case, but I live in an apartment complex, and no one usually comes, so it's really just for me. Yeah. I like to tell myself it's It's for other people. It is amazing to be at Costco and to, uh, which is where I was this weekend, and to see the people loaded up on these huge bags of candy. And uh, typically, when you live in a community like ours, everybody shops at Costco, so everybody's buying the same candy to give to all the trick or treaters. Everybody will get the same candy this year. It seems they're getting the same mix. That's okay. It's candy after after at the end of the day. You know, you can't complain. Can't complain about that. Yeah, it's 15 bucks for this huge bag. And so as you start to do the cost-benefit analysis, you say to yourself, why would I spend all this money and time doing all the prep and then spend three hours walking around? I could just go buy a $15 bag of candy and give it to my kid. (laughs) That's true. You know, there's not a lot that makes probably economic sense about it, but it sure is fun. And watching all the costumes and all that. Uh, I get really into it. Actually, it's a good lead into our headlines this week because I hear that there is a, a Halloween-themed one at the end that you don't want to miss out. But what's going on in the There headlines? is. Interesting. <laughs> what's yes. going on in the headlines this week? First up from the drinks business, Carlsberg, which is a big, uh, big branded beer. They are unveiling the world's first paper beer bottle. It's a Danish beer giant. Uh, Carlsberg has unveiled designs for what it claims to be the world's first paper beer bottle made with sustainable and recyclable wood fibers. They have an initiative called Together Towards Zero, which includes a commitment to reach zero carbon emissions and a 30% reduction in full value chain carbon footprint by 2030. They reveal two prototypes of this green fiber bottle. Both are made from sustainably sourced wood fibers, and they have an inner barrier allowing the beer of the bottle to hold the beer so it doesn't get wet and leak. One uses a thin recycled PET polymer, and the other has a bio-based PEF polymer. They launched uh, the project back in 2005, taking a while to get this all together. Other companies that are working on similar recyclable programs are Absolute, Coca-Cola, and L'Oreal. Uh, last year, Carlsberg invested in a number of other sustainable solutions, including recycled shrink film, greener label ink, and a snap pack for their beers. All in all, this is what we're seeing. We've talked about this, the trend towards uh, reducing not only the uh, carbon footprint, but also moving away from plastics and more towards uh, sustainable packaging across the entire spectrum. So that's that's the latest big story in that. This is fascinating. We love talking about these stories about th- people and brands moving towards a more green future. This could be pretty revolutionary, I think. 
It could be, yeah. So again, uh, this follows on recently a winery that has started to put wine in individual packages of wine, almost like the size of a can of beer, but paper, paper boxes for individual serving consumption as opposed to the big bag in the box. So lots of stuff, lots of technology, and we're, we're just going to keep seeing more and more of it as we as we move along. Next up, from The Thrillist, Sam Adams, the largest craft brewer in the U.S., they are releasing a $200 bottle beer, and it is illegal in over 12 states. What? Yeah, the beer uh, costs $210. It is a high proof. It's barrel-aged, hand-bottled, and they had only 77 casks. They called it Utopias. Some of the beer has been aged as much as 24 years. It's 28% ABV, and that makes it illegal in 15 states. Uh, to give you a some context, Bud Light is 5% alcohol, and 12-year-old Glendivit Scotch is 40%. So this is right in the middle of that. It's very unusual of a beer anywhere near this size. Because it is such a high alcohol content, if you live in Alaska, Arizona, Georgia, Idaho, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Oregon, South Carolina, Utah, Vermont, or West Virginia, it's illegal to sell beer at anywhere near that high of alcohol content. So this is really fascinating. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it would be up my alley, but uh, <laughs> if you are living in one of those other states and you happen to try it, let us know what you think. Yeah, 77 barrels worth or casks only and a 210 bucks. you know, it'll be a good collector's edition. Some of it's 24 years old anyway. You might as well sit on it for another 24 years. There you go. And uh, last up for, from delish.com, at Six Flags Magic Mountain, you can order sangria in an IV bag during Fright Night. <laughs> this is yes. amazing. <laughs> <clears throat> That's right. So uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain, they are having this IV-inspired blood bag uh, cocktail. Uh, it's a sangria drink. Uh, they think it goes all the way into a full commitment of their Fright Night theme. Uh, they've got their red claw cross, the blood type boxes to check, and straws that drip like an IV and so on. They uh, served Blood Bag last year as well and popped enough to, to bring back. This year, it's going to be $16 for the Blood Bag Sangria. It can be found anywhere in the park that sells uh, alcohol, and they're also going to have a sriracha-infused chicken wings and zabi naco, nachos and, and so on and so forth. So uh, it runs on select nights of the week from September 14th through November 3rd, and I don't know how I feel about a, an IV bag for sangria. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of, have you ever taken the boxed wine out of the box and it's just the large pouch and pass it around? You're just adding sort of a straw to that situation. I, I don't hate yeah, it. If you don't like needles and you don't want to actually hook it up to your arm, I mean, that will make people feel uncomfortable. No, no. Yeah. No, no. That's not happening. No. <laughs> Is that not what's going on? I no, don't no, no. Still drinking. Uh, oh, okay. They're just, oh, I see. They're going to consume it through the straw. Yes. They're yes. not actually having, no. you, having you go a full phlebotomy. No, no, no. <laughs> Okay, uh, I got it. Might have to mm -mm. sign a disclaimer on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that is not happening, by the way. It is only for consumption, not for injection. <laughs> Coming up on Cast Club Radio, what do bartenders say are the top drinks this fall? It's next on Cast Club Radio. Club Radio. We're in the full swing of fall, Halloween right around the corner, and we found a great list of the top fall drink trends. We talk about these, you know, often throughout the year, whether it's uh, 
seasonal or just the next year that we're looking ahead what the top drink trends might be. But this one comes to us from Refinery29. That's right, Refinery29.com. The article's called From Matcha to Split Spirit. Bartenders say these are the top fall drink trends. And uh, I think we'll just kind of jump right into it. The first one comes to us from Dan Oski, co-founder of Tattersall Distilling in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, he says split spirit cocktails are uh, the trend that he sees. For those of you who don't know what a split spirit cocktail is, it's where you take two cocktails that are two uh, base spirits that would normally be the base of their own on a cocktail, and you mix them together. And sometimes they may appear on their face to be in conflict. But if you do the right mix, the right proportion, the right recipes, you can make an amazing cocktail. An example of this takes the base uh, spirit of gin and the base spirit of whiskey. Typically would not blend well together. Uh, far from an obvious taste that you would consider. Uh, he says since he doesn't like gins that are aged in whiskey barrels, the drink surprised him at first as long as it's well made. Uh, he says split spirit drinks are more fun when they incorporate ingredients from opposite sides of the globe. Flavors that might not work well in food can often be so surprisingly complimentary in spirits. And he likes seeing the world get smaller from the vantage point of the bar. He created an Akavi and a Mezcal blended cocktail recently, and he said he just can't stop thinking about it. Wow, I can't imagine those two together. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I can't either. <clears throat> They're both, uh, Akavit especially, is very strong uh, flavor profile in them itself. So uh, I, my guess is that's a function of some of the other things he put in there to balance out the flavors. Well, maybe after we get through this list, we can come back and say which ones we would be most willing to try, which ones are uh, maybe a little too brave for us. Yeah. Because this next one on this list also sounds a little too much for me. <laughs> that would be matcha well, yeah, the cocktails. Next one. Matcha cocktail. So matcha is a powdered form of green tea. Uh, this is DJ Brown, general manager at Añejo in New York. He says, with health and wellness being a huge trend, we've talked about that. Naturally, so is matcha with its antioxidant and detoxifying properties. They mix with the earthy notes of mezcal. And he said, where cocktail menus are adding a whisper of matcha to a cocktail to stay on trend, I've created a cocktail that embraces the matcha as well as the mezcal. Their matcha gracias cocktail has a unique balanced flavor of fall combining matcha and mezcal which brings out the traditional tea notions uh, and incorporates honey and lemon. So that actually sounds kind of interesting if it's, per, if it's uh, constructed properly. I don't know. Maybe it was because the way that we're in the midst of like pumpkin spice right now, I felt like matcha had its heyday too, where everything was green tea flavored. And so I don't know. I'm still a little, I'm skeptical of this one. But then again, uh, I've been proven wrong several times in the past. I'll try to I'll try to be a little more open minded about this one. People wanting to use healthy ingredients in their cocktails kind of reminds me of like when I make a salad, but I put like bacon and cheese in it. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, I know that this isn't good for me overall, but it's got healthy components. Yeah. It's even better with the artificial bacon bits. Um, <laughs> now, the one thing uh, going off that, uh, Lydia, remember last year we talked about cocktails where people were taking green tea and making it into ice cubes, and then they would take the ice cubes out, put that in the cocktail instead of regular ice. Oh, so that as yeah. the ice cube melted, you would get the kind of uh, increasing uh, intensity of the green tea into the cocktail. So this this is somewhat similar, but it just hits you right off the bat. Interesting. Okay, what's next on this yeah. list? Next is uh, colorful cocktails with unique garnishes. And I, I feel like, uh, especially we talked about in, in the age of Instagram and is your, is your cocktail photo worthy, the unique garnishes with color um, just lead right into that. So this comes to us from uh, Tanya 
Mike Leuk, general manager of Ophelia in New York, which is a big bar. Uh, the big cocktail trend for her is colorful cocktails with unique garnishes, especially fused with gin, tequila, or mezcal. She says vodka is still the number one consumed liquor, but on the other hand, most cocktail drinkers are expecting to have a unique experience when ordering a new drink. That's that's true. You go to an amazing bar, you keep hearing about it. It's it's all the rave. Why would you want to go order a regular vodka martini? You want to go ask them, hey, make me something really amazing and uh, show off the skills of the bartender. This season, they're introducing a new Groni, which is a unique version of the classic Negroni with a touch of all phases of the drink. Uh, new aperitivo instead of Campari. They use uh, select Tonka bean infused Kochi. And they use Tangeray 10 gin. And they use, use orange foam instead of an orange peel. And then they put Campari dust on top. I'm, I have not yet seen Campari dust. I need to actually get my hands on that. So that sounds like an amazing cocktail. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Maybe you mix the Campari dust with the uh, matcha powder from the green tea and yeah. see what you get there. I always <clears> next a visually appealing cocktail. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Visual intoxication. Next up is low ABV and low proof cocktails. We've talked about this all summer, this trend to uh, low alcohol, no alcohol drinks. AJ Johnson, head bartender at Antica Pesa in Brooklyn. He says low alcohol cocktails are making waves right now, which is great for bartenders because it lets them use the flavor of the other ingredients without having people rely only on uh, high proof alcohol, which often masks or over powers the underlying flavors of the other components of the cocktail. Low ABV is a great way to talk about making beverages that are more health conscious. We've talked about how that's debatable. And they are seeing more cocktails using teas and flavored sparkling waters, as well as savory drinks that use different culinary techniques. The common drink that they see this with is in the spritzes. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that they're, that this isn't just a trend. It's I guess that's that's good that people are trying to maybe we need, drink more in moderation. Maybe we need to alcohol. start calling it something else. It's no longer a trend. It's maybe just the just a reality. Reality. Yeah, we were yeah. talking about yeah. this last year. <laughs> that's right. When does a trend become reality? Uh, <laughs> next up is hot cocktails. We're in that time of year where hot cocktails really people like focusing on that. This is from Jeremy Downer. He's from Fish Cheeks in New York. He says something he's working on and would like to see become a more of a trend are truly innovative warm and hot cocktails. He's not talking about taking one-off riffs from a hot toddy or an Irish coffee, but he wants real creativity. Uh, he's working with warm mulled apple cider cocktails using bourbon and dark rum as the base spirits, adding classic almond spices to the cider like cinnamon, clove, allspice, nutmeg, and vanilla bean. And uh, he, he wants to see more of those on the horizon on a chilly autumn and winter afternoon. I wouldn't say no to that. I do like a hot beverage. Actually, we've talked about this. I'm a weirdo that drinks hot beverages when it's hot outside, <laughs> but especially in the winter when it's cold. And Maura, I know that you never say no to like a hot toddy when you're feeling a little sick. But oh, do you yeah. think that there could be more like creative riffs on these that, that uh, go outside the box? Have you ever had one that was, I don't know, surprised you a little bit? Yeah, I've, I've seen some pretty creative versions of hot toddies or all kinds of, yeah, I, off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of all yeah. that. I think there's definitely there's room some creativity for it. in the hot drink department. <laughs> all right, we'll, be, we'll keep our eyes out for that. We'll post the story and you can see all of the cocktail options that they're talking about uh, because we only made it through about half of uh, what was covered here, but uh, interesting observations nonetheless. Perfect. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, Heritage Distilling actually started around a campfire discussion with you, Justin, and the person that is going to be on our show next, Drew Kellerman. We're going to get to talk to Drew 
about a pretty incredible program you guys are doing at Heritage called My Batch and how people can learn the entire process of what goes into making those great spirits. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Castle Radio, and it's a great honor to uh, introduce a very dear friend and partner, Drew Kellerman. He's our uh, VP Hello. of Production at Heritage Distilling. You want to say hi to the to the listeners, Drew? <laughs> yes, hi everybody. And he's going to talk a little bit about the My Batch program, where we let people come in and, and uh, run the stills and make product. But uh, the whole idea and concept for Heritage Distilling occurred in 2011 around Drew his fire pit with him and Sarah and a few other very close friends and talked about the idea. And here we are today actually implementing the idea of heritage distilling. So it comes full circle with Drew and he's been involved from day one and has run almost all of my batch uh, sessions that we've done in the last uh, almost eight years. How cool is that? That's true. (laughs) I mean, can we hear just a little bit more about that story about that day of sitting around the fire pit and, and what was talked about? How did it lead to heritage? Yeah, hey, Jess, let me jump in here real quick because this is fun. The whole concept uh, that was first laid out to us around a fire pit while we're enjoying some fine whiskey <laughs> about this, this starting this craft distilling company in Gig Harbor and using locally sourced ingredients to make the finest possible spirits also included a detailed discussion about an idea to let people safely and legally come into our facility and work on our microstills to produce their own whiskey and do so in a way where we do not have to be moonshiners, you know, not, not <laughs> concerned about the law. This would all be legal. And so this whole concept of the MyBatch program, Justin laid out that night at the same time that we were just talking in general about the idea of starting a, a craft distillery. So this, is, this has been one of the founding ideas or concepts to do something unique and different right from the very beginning. Why do you think that education portion was so important to you and that you had it before even the full business was in place, but you knew that you wanted to work with people and educate them as well? Why was that so important to you? Well, I won't speak for Justin, but I know that what I heard from this was the idea, the opportunity to share a process with people that's really shrouded in mystery and has been since, uh, gosh, for eons, you know, hundreds of years. I mean, just process, you know, of distillation made its way to Europe hundreds and hundreds of years ago, secretly through, they believe, the monks in in, um, Ireland who uh, basically kept it shrouded in secrecy and uh, under the auspices of the church to turn their beer into what we call today whiskey. Uh, And so really from that point all the way down, really nobody, because of the laws, because of some of the safety issues, Unless someone's an actual moonshiner, no one really understands the process. It almost is kind of scary about how you turn a fermented beverage into a uh, spirit. Uh, and and so the idea was, hey, let's let's share with folks in such a way. First, let's set it up in a way that's that's legal. A lot of folks have tried to do this. A lot of distilling uh, distilling companies and get in trouble because they don't understand how the laws work and they get in trouble with it. So how do you do it legally uh, and set it up in a process so that you know, folks can come in and really start at zero. You know, we love it when we have a group of people that come in and and share with us that they have absolutely no idea what we're about to do, because that's the most fun when they're starting with just zero knowledge. So to take them through a a crash course 
on the history and how it works and some of the science, a little bit of chemistry, but not too much. No tests at the end, um, but <laughs> learning how to physically manipulate the stills and use uh, literally texture, t- uh, taste, odor to figure out where we are in the process and how to make really fine whiskey. Questions abound. Uh, and then really, by the time they leave after three hours, they, they have a, at least a working understanding. Um, they literally know more about the, the whole process of making whiskey and, and, and how, it, how it all occurs and what they have to do than almost everybody. Unless someone works in a distillery, they know now more than anybody else. You know, and it's and and the feedback is just fantastic. And I would think that that would teach people a lot more than just, uh, you know, when you do tastings, sometimes just trying to pick out the flavors by tasting it. I think people are a little confused or intimidated sometimes. I would think actually seeing that process through would help get you a much clearer understanding. Sure, absolutely. And it's it's a lot of fun because, I, you know, I don't think they fully realize how much they're going to be involved. You know, we call people forward to start manipulating the, the water flow and, and the, the heat source and, and, and causing what we call phase change to, to force liquid to vapor and back to liquid, back to vapor and, and the whole, and really physically working on the stills and seeing it. So as you know, when you, when you experience something, don't just hear about it. When you're physically involved with it, then it really, it really sinks in. You see lots of aha moments. You want, you want to walk through kind of a typical experience for the listeners? Sure. Yeah. So you know, when folks come in, we, we, we'd love to greet them. Uh, it's, we find sometimes it's, that when people come into our facility, there's almost a hesitation, almost like a nervousness about this whole thing because it is such a new and different experience. So we love to, to sort of overwhelm them with um, a welcoming uh, experience and, and get them settled in and get them some, something to drink and um, really make them feel like they're part of our, they're becoming part of our family, which is kind of how we're, we set up the whole vibe of the experience. Then really after a quick safety briefing, cause there is, there are some ways that, 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 you know, with some things we have to cover to make sure that we have a good safe experience and we cover some compliance things in terms of what we can and can't do down on the, on the production floor. Uh, we, we dive right in. We have all the, the stills warmed up and ready to go and, and we, we immediately start bringing volunteers up to start to operate the stills. And so we find that it's better to do a kind of a crash course. We just get folks working on the stills, manipulating it, starting the process of bringing what we call the distillate off the still. And then as that process is happening, then we begin to explain what it is they're doing and why and what's occurring in the, uh, in the still itself. And once we get it sort of stabilized to where we're we're pulling the product off the spill, which will take a little while. Then we can back up and go through the whole backstory. You know, people will learn all about, uh, we'll take a tour and we'll share, hey, here's how we turn the grain into a mash. And from the mash, into, we'll ferment it into a wash. From the wash, how we make it into low wines and how we turn low wines into a, a spirit run into whiskey uh, for them to then put in a barrel and age and, and have a finished product at the end. So, it, you know, it. The opportunity is then to see from from grain to finished product how it goes, and then back in it would often provide some some snacks and some refreshments, uh, answer questions. Oftentimes, there's so much information so quickly that we we like to take a break and let folks kind of soak it all in. We'll do some trivia, talk about the history of of spirits in general, whiskey in particular. Uh, talk about you know where barrel aging first came from and. Why the heck do we char the inside of a whiskey barrel? 
as opposed to what a wine barrel might have, which is not charred, but toasted. And, and just all the different nuances and history, which is just, there's so much history, it's so rich. To share all these these pieces, parts, as they're literally producing their whiskey and they're doing a finger stick. Well, they'll put their, they're literally, when we tell them to, they can put their finger in the stream of whiskey coming off the still to get the texture, to get the odor, and actually even to taste it, to know where they are in the process and what it tastes like in different phases. Once we're past the dangerous part, of course. But it's, the whole, it's really a chance for them to do exactly what our distillers do. In, under the guidance, you know, of distillers themselves and making sure everything's done properly and safely. Very importantly, what we're trying to do is give them the experience of not just making it, but make really high-quality whiskey. In fact, we've taken uh, some uh, extra bottles made by our classes. Folks that came in and, and participated, spent three hours making some whiskey, they wouldn't necessarily buy all the whiskey that or take home all the whiskey they made We've submitted some of these two spirit competitions, and they they win awards. Wow! So the, you know, the unaged whiskey made on a microstill by a class that came in is winning awards. You know, in 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 the categories, comparing it against uh, other whiskeys. You know that that are that are submitted. So they're really making some high quality stuff. And what's what's kind of a fun uh, sort of third step of the process. Once we have this this finished whiskey they've produced. We're able to let them bottle it, handwrite their labels in terms of exactly what's in it, what proof, and we're, we're uh, letting them take home or encouraging them to take home the whiskey they produced, and it's proofed, or, or uh, the proof meaning, you know, the, the amount of alcohol that, that's in it compared to water, that's set up or designed specifically so it would age well in the barrel. Well, they're going to take home a two-liter barrel. When they get home... They'll follow a process just like our distillers do on how to prepare their barrel, how to get it ready for aging whiskey, then filling the barrel, and then how long to fill it. What else might you want to add to the barrel? And then three, four months later, they have a, a craft finished whiskey that they literally aged tabletop in their kitchen counter that they made three, four months earlier. And some people have reported back that it ends up being some of the better whiskeys they've ever had, even though it's, you know, they made it and then tabletop aged it. So that the, it's designed not only to give the experience, but then let them have a, a finished product experience uh, that is that is surprisingly high quality. Incredible, Drew. And now offered at three different locations by Heritage Distilling. Where can people get more information and participate if, if they now want to be part of this? If you go to the webpage, heritagedistilling.com, and on the top you'll see the menu. It says Innovative Programs. One of them is My Batch. Click on the My Batch button. And, uh, for example, in Eugene, on November 2nd, we've got a My Batch session coming up. And then uh, in Roslyn, Washington, over by uh, Sankati Resort, we have a My Batch session coming up on November 16th. That's awesome. Thanks Thanks again for taking the time. We really appreciate it. And have an amazing day. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Drew. Thanks so much for letting me be part of that. Coming up on Cask Love Radio, we're going to take a look at the most popular Halloween costumes for 2019, and then we have a Halloween-themed cocktail for you as well. That's next on Cask Love Radio. Welcome back to Cask. 
Club Radio. We've got a great new cocktail recipe for you, one that is well-suited for this time of year and Halloween coming up right around the corner. That's just in a moment. But first, speaking of Halloween, costumes, always a huge part of the occasion. Maura, you found a great list of some of the most popular Halloween costumes this year. Yes, this is from uh, Frightgeist with Google. It, there's, I'm not going to lie, there's some that I don't know on here. <laughs> is this going to make me feel old? I think it's already... It's making you, me feel a little right? old. Right, okay. I know most of them. Here's the thing. Around Halloween, I think there's always... Uh, there's some tried and true classics that you're going to see every single year. that They'll just never fade. But there's always just a fresh batch of costumes that, whether it's based on movies or pop culture things, reality television, things that are going to go way over my head. So I think I might be able to get some of these, but I'm also going to I need your support when I feel very old in a few minutes here. Okay. All right. Well, we'll start with number five. This is one that I don't know. Apparently, this is a movie. <laughs> uh, Descendants? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Is that a, is that a about this one, Disney Justin? Channel? <clears throat> I do. It's, uh, it's kind of along the lines of a high school musical. Oh, uh, okay. And my daughter, Kendall, who's 10, cannot stop watching Descendants and now Descendants 2. Mm. Yeah. I think it's a Disney Channel thing. And I think they're all the uh, yeah. children, the progeny of famous villains in okay. Disney yes. lore. So, I mean, that's, that's, right. a, that's a cool idea. I like it. But, Is Kendall uh, going to go as someone from Descendants? Yeah. I don't think so. She's not asked, but I can tell you that uh, I probably know half the songs by heart just because she watches them. <laughs> just through osmosis. Okay. Okay, over cool. And over and over again. That was number five. All right. What's number four? I don't on feel good list? telling you that, by the way. <laughs> so number four, this is a pretty straightforward one uh, that I think we've seen over the years. Uh, just a dinosaur. Oh, wow. Huh. But kind of interesting. A dinosaur. Yeah, I, I mean, is it? Is there a new Godzilla movie out this year? Maybe I don't know. That's kind yeah, of a. It's a broad category. It is. All right, dinosaur, always cool, timeless. Apparently, <laughs> they've been around for a long time. Number three. <laughs> Number three, another a timeless one, I guess. Spider Man. Ooh, yeah. And there was a new Spider Man movie this year. Isn't there always a new Spider Man? Uh, pretty much. I think every two years <laughs> they kind of crank one out, depending on you know they kind of do those movies yeah. in series of three. So yeah. Why? I mean, I think it's funny how when we were growing up, even I don't think superhero movies were as big a thing. I think it's just a really big thing during this generation, and I wonder if it'll sort of taper off at a certain point Mm -hmm. but it it does seem to be a huge thing right now and the halloween costumes are out there to prove it (laughs) it's called the franchise for a reason yeah true all right getting into the very top of this year's christmas uh, costumes or excuse me of this year's halloween (laughs) costume list what's number two uh so number two i mean this might be one of the oldest ones of all time uh a witch Yep, that was going to be my guess, you know, classic. And Hard- easy, because you can pretty much just get a hat and if you don't have anything else. You can get a hat uh, and, yeah, just, like, wear a lot of black. Yeah. I, I mean, think. you can go all out and really do it up. Really? Green face and everything, mm-hmm. like Wizard of Oz, but you can just get a hat. Yeah, and there's a lot of different interpretations, whether you, yeah. you're going based on a specific movie. You'd mentioned Wizard of Oz, but uh, there's also Hocus Pocus out there, one of the greatest mm-hmm. Halloween films of all time. Dane mentioned it last week. Yes. <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Dane for that one. Okay, cool. And the number one, what's going to beat Witch? I mean, it has to be, what, vampire? No, number one, and I don't like that this is number one because it's, oh, no. a, I don't, 
like clowns. Um, oh no! It yeah. it okay. is number one. Okay, respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it too came out this year. It was, I haven't seen the. I'm scared to see these movies. It was not good, Maura. Oh, don't go see it too. Don't just don't do it. <laughs> uh, well, if yeah, if you're scared of clowns, then that that might not be the one for you. But for some reason, my mom had like a clown painting up. In my why? room when I was oh. I don't know. I don't know why they think kids like I don't know any kids that do like clowns. Yeah, that's I think that's creepy. a good point. I know. I've never I've never really been interested. They weren't in cartoons. They weren't like parts no. of movies when they we were. were I guess they were at like circuses or carnivals. Maybe. But, huh. Okay, I'm, so I'm a little surprised in the top five we didn't see anything from uh, Game of Thrones given no. Maybe Even people are still like very that. emotional and a little sad about the ending of it. So I can round out the the top ten here for you. Okay, if we go cool. backwards. Uh, six is clown. So more clowns. More clowns. Seven yeah, is no. uh, Fortnite. So I don't know if that's yeah, that's anything. That's pretty. Game. Game. That's pretty topical. Yeah, any character. Game. Then Chucky. So also Why? movie franchise helping nice. to come back. Yeah. Uh, nine is nineteen eighties. So just um, okay. Dressing eighties, and then ten is unicorn. <laughs> All right. Stranger Things is down a little further, 13. So getting a little bit, but yeah. A little more pop culture. How how many how many Gardner Minshew costumes do you think are going to be out there yeah. this year? That's true. I can't believe that's not in here. I know. Come on. He didn't make the top 10. That's, that's crazy. One. At least in the, in the Pacific Northwest, I have to believe that it, whether it's either in Jacksonville or in the Pacific Northwest, there's going to be a high concentration of Gardner Minshew Good costumes. Call. Oh, Good call. Pullman for sure. Yes. For sure. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, before we get out of here, we got a great new cocktail recipe for you. A good one to celebrate Halloween, by the way. Yes, we call this the Sweet Ghost. So get a shaker, get two ounces of our Sweet Ghost Pepper Vodka, a half ounce of pineapple juice, half ounce of cranberry juice, quarter ounce of lime juice, and a quarter ounce of grenadine. Put it in ice and shake it and uh, strain it out into a uh, festive goblet for Halloween and garnish it with a maraschino cherry. Mm, that sounds, yeah. Have you made this one before, Justin? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's uh, It looks amazing. The, the pineapple and, and cranberry juice play off of each other because uh, one is a little more, obviously the pineapple is uh, tart and sweet. The cranberry juice is a little more, has a little more uh, texture to it. And then uh, the lime juice and the grenadine play off one another. And then the ghost pepper ha- changes the flavor not at all, but just adds some heat because there's no flavor. And then just a little bit of heat and that sweet ghost pepper vodka. Ooh, it sounds like a pleaser at parties. So if you are having a Halloween get together, this one... Uh, I think would be a crowd pleaser. So maybe try that. Try that out. And as always, remember, be safe on these holidays. We want to hear good stories, happy stories. But of course, be safe out there. And if you want to look at this recipe or any past cocktail recipes, we've got it for you up at heritagedistilling.com, where you can also check out episodes of the podcast. That's right. And if you want to send us an email, an idea, a topic, a question, email us at caskclubradio at heritagedistilling.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Cast Club Radio. Also, if you're uh, using BSB out there or BSB 103, don't forget to use the hashtag Brown Sugar Bourbon and uh, hashtag Drinking BSB. And also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Well, until next week, we will see you back here. Everybody have a safe and fun Halloween. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.